I share this word with you recognizing that these are areas in my life that I want to grow in as well and be encouraged as well through God's word. Why don't we pray? Father, Lord, we ask that as we seek your work now, Lord, that it would be made real to us. Holy Spirit, that you would do your work as only you can to help it to jump off the page, to help it speak to our hearts, to help it to convince us in our mortal humanness to be more like you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message I want to share with you is called Spiritual Disciplines. And if you will, the, the second title I would use would be Becoming a Disciple of Jesus. Some people have used the term recently, and I would say probably in the last 20 or 30 years, maybe even 40 years, I'm, I'm getting to be older now myself, to be a follower of Jesus. And, and it is a term that was coined, if you will, back in uh, biblical days to be a follower of Christ. But more directly, what Jesus called his disciples to do was to go and make more disciples, not to make more followers. And there is... A, a, a line in the sand there that we need to make this morning before we can get into what we're discussing. And that is to be a disciple means to be a student. And to be a student means that there's some work involved. Now I know for some of you it may have been a while since you've been in school, um, but I have an eight-year-old who is in school and it's reminding me what it means to be a student. To be a student means that there's times where you may not grasp or understand what's being taught, and you have to consider how to do it or think about it in a different way than the teacher is sharing it. Or you may have to consider the, the source or the situation that you're in and how to envelop the information that's being shared. And so this morning as we're talking about being a, having these spiritual disciplines, I want you to recognize that I am not going to be able to share with you for you individually exactly how you should be uh, spiritually disciplined. Now I can share with you some practicalities of it, and I'm going to this morning, and uh, some of this may be uh, a little bit more directed towards the way that I disciple myself, or I feel like I'm being spiritually disciplined, or disciplining myself in certain areas. So uh, a couple caveats before we get started, if you will. First of all, very important, very practical, God's love and acceptance is not predicated on your devotional life or lack thereof. Now, for some of you, that might seem like, oh, what did Pastor Steve just say? We don't have to be disciplined? I don't have to, I don't have to read the Bible for God to love me? And, and in, one, in one way, I am saying that because God's love for you is beyond what you can do. God sent his son because he loved the whole world. It, it wasn't predicated on the fact of you loving him back. Oh, he knows that you need to love him back. There's a, there's a hole in all of us that needs to love God. But at that same time, God's love and his availability of love is not predicated to you on how much you do or don't do for him. With that being said, let me ask you a question. Some of you have spouses. The more you do with your spouse, think some, some of you maybe need to think back to when you were dating, I don't know. But the more you do with, with someone, the more you get to know them, the more you open yourself up to them, and the more you can experience life with them. Would you agree with me this morning? So God is, God's not human, 
but we are created in his image, and so if we're created in, in his image, and this is one of the ways that we experience a growth of love in our lives, wouldn't it make sense that the more time, the more effort, the more opportunity that we spend with the Lord, then the more we open ourselves up to his love. Again, it's not his love is different than if we weren't with him. But it's that we're more open and available to his love. The second caveat this morning is that each person has different ways of learning, of studying, and of being disciplined. Everyone has a different way of learning, studying, and being disciplined. That means for some of us, we've got to pick up this Bible, this written Bible on, in, on paper, and open it up. And this works best for us to read at candlelight or in the morning by our fireplace with our tea and crumpets or coffee or whatever you like. There are some of us that would say, I can't, I'm not reading that, I'll fall asleep. So I've got my ear pods on and I'm walking down the street and I'm enjoying the nature of the Lord and I'm listening to the word. There are some of us that would say, I can't do that, I need to be sitting focused on someone talking, and that is what I'm going to hear. You know, for the past, if you will, couple hundred years, everyone has thought this is the only way to hear the word of the Lord. Well, what happened before there was printed pages? It was, it was orator. It was somebody talking and speaking. Not everybody could read. Not everybody had access to a Bible. Now people have more access to, to, to a Bible on their, on their phone, on their media device, than they do on a printed page. And so what I mean by, again, making the statement that everybody learns differently, you may be an audio learner, you may be a visual learner, you may be someone who needs to, you know, when you read, you want to read out loud, and you have other people in the room, they're like, why are you reading out loud? You're like, this is the only way I can grasp this stuff. And that's okay. Again, spiritual disciplines does not mean that we all have to be the same or do the same thing. It means that we learn differently and we're going to consider the disciplines and how to interact with them in our lives. Lastly, and most importantly, as we talk about spiritual disciplines this morning, we, got, we, we must remember that Scripture must be our no-nonsense, secure reference of when we talk about spiritual disciplines. There are a lot of great teachers, there's a lot of great orators, there's a lot of great pastors, there's, there, there, you got a lot of great friends, you got a lot of, you know, everybody's got a, a, a wonderful grandmother that could tell you, you know, how to live a perfect and amazing life. But when it comes to being disciplined by the Lord and growing in our spiritual disciplines, the, 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 the backstop, the check mark, the, the area that we need to go to to make sure that we're doing what God has called us to do has to be Scripture. Okay? So that, that's imperative this morning, that as we're talking about spiritual disciplines, Scripture is our foremost reliable source to go back to and consider if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing to grow ourselves in the Lord. So let's jump into things. What are our spiritual disciplines? Well, this morning there's five areas, which is really cool because we have five fingers, most of us. Um, if you have six, that would be really neat. But uh, if you have five fingers, this should be easy for you to count on your five fingers, and we'll walk through them together. So the first area we're going to talk about is Bible reading. Now, again, when I talk about Bible reading, I am not speaking to the fact of actually having you pick up a Bible and read it out of pages. You can, you can read it. 
in page form. You can read it in media form. You can hear it. You know, the Bible says actually that faith cometh from hearing the word, you know, and, and we, we need to sometimes hear what's being said. And so sometimes maybe for us, we need to hear it from our own mouths. We read it, we speak it out loud, and then we hear it back in our own lives. And that's a great way to read the Bible. But the Bible is more importantly driven to the point that it is good for all things. Sometimes we, th we only think about biblical scriptures when things are going bad as opposed to when things are going good and how to celebrate the Lord. And the Bible says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. It's breathed out by God. I mean, who would not want to inhale what God is breathing out? Okay. Anybody ever take a, uh, remember when you were a kid or when you had fun the last time with a helium balloon? All right. I know there are some of you in this room that are older than 18 that have done that recently. So my, we had a birthday party a, a few months ago, and we had a helium balloon sitting around, and I took it and sucked it, and, you know, I sounded like Donald Duck afterwards, really, you know, high-pitched, and if you've never experienced that, maybe don't. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Don't do it because I, I said I did it, but it was an experience for my daughter who had never experienced that before, and she was amazed, like, oh my gosh, what is that? Because I breathed something else in that changed who I was or how I responded. Can you imagine that we have that opportunity to be changed by the living God by breathing in what he's breathing out? So it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Oh, this is how we should live our lives. How should we live our lives? This way. Real simple. Scripturally. What does the Bible say about this? Let's do it. What does the Bible say about that? Let's do it. Well, the Bible doesn't say, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. There's a, the, I know this is like right down to Sunday school level, but we need a check in our lives to remember that we have the rules of engagement of how to live our lives as, 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 as people who want to be disciples of Jesus. All scripture is ready for us. But Bible reading is so much more than just reading the words on the page, isn't it? It is more than just reading. Bible reading is more than just reading. It, it requires us to get a little bit more intimate with the text. Now, some of us, we, we open up the Bible and we see all these um, verses, we see all these chapters, and we see these real thin pages. And, and for some of us, maybe we're like, I'm not going to go there. It's too much for me. Uh, it's kind of odd. I don't read a book like that. Will you get yourself an audio version of it? Will you get yourself a, a Bible that doesn't have chapter and verse? <gasps> Pastor Steve, did you just say you can buy a Bible without a chapter and verse in it? I mean, it's real. These, are, these chapters and verses are created by man. Okay? You can, you can get the Bible without chapter and verse, and maybe if you're a book reader, that maybe make more sense to you. But more, more directly, you can't read the Bible just for the word's sake. You have to understand where you're at in the story sometimes. And so Bible reading does require us to have some sort of a background knowledge. We've got to search the scriptures to understand where we're at. 
you know, you start in the middle of the story. You, for, you don't know what happened at the beginning, and maybe you don't want to know what happens at the end until you get there. But at least you've got to find out where you're at in the middle of the story. I don't know anybody that's picked up a book, a, you know, like a novel or something, and, and started reading in the middle and said, oh, yeah, I know where I'm at. Okay, let's see where this goes. No, you want to hear the story at the beginning. So if you're unfamiliar with a scripture passage and you read it and you're like, hmm, that seems kind of weird. God just destroyed a bunch of people. That doesn't sound like a good God. Go back to the beginning of the story about what happened, why they're in that situation and what's going on. Some of us get confused because we listen to parts and pieces of what everyone else is saying as opposed to studying the scriptures for ourselves. Again, this morning we're talking about spiritual discipline, disciplining ourselves to grow deeper in the Lord. So search the scriptures. Get a plan. Do something. Get a plan in place to study the scriptures. I don't care if your plan is five minutes at your breakfast reading something. All right. One of my plans has been to read uh, uh, every day I read Proverbs. And it's real simple because there's 31 Proverbs and there's 31 days in a month, most months. And so it's real. So I don't even remember where I'm at half the time. I just open up. Oh, it's the 5th of November. Okay, I'm reading Proverbs 5. And, and that's my plan. And it works for me. It doesn't have to be the same for you. It can be something else. But have some sort of a plan. Ask the Lord, Lord, how can I put a plan together to help me to grow deeper into a spiritual love of reading your word? Because when we get beyond, I, this, this morning it was said to me, when we get beyond making it a chore and we remember that it is exactly what this scripture says, that it is breathed out by God, that we have the opportunity to suck it in, then our lives will be changed. We'll have a recognition that it's so much more than just reading, but it's about the indwelling personhood of Christ within us and allowing us to review and, and be reinvigorated by what he has to say to us. So have a plan, and then lastly, have a purpose. Why do you read scripture? Why? What is the purpose of it? It could be the simple purpose of, well, Pastor Steve said I need to do spiritual discipline, so that's what I'm going to do. Make that your purpose then. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you, you should go back to Jesus. <laughs> Let Jesus be your guide. Let Jesus be your teacher. Jesus was at the temple reading the scriptures. We should do the same thing. We should do the same thing. So spiritual discipline, number one, Bible reading. Number two, prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. How many of us live our lives on the precipice or in the pool of anxiousness every day? Whether by our own doing or whether by our outside influencers doing. We may start off our day in a great, wonderful, today's going to be a day where the Lord's going to lead everything I say and do, and I'm going to be fine, and then all of a sudden this comes out of the way, and this comes out of the way, and everything just starts coming at you, and you know, you, you made a mistake here, and something happened there, and now somebody's um, you know, uh, somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do, so now you're getting blamed for it. And so all of a sudden, this, this anxiousness 
that is human, it's a human emotion, just starts roaring up in us. The Bible says that we shouldn't be anxious about anything. It's odd that we have that emotion within us, but yet we shouldn't be anxious about it, about things. You know, God has an interesting way of, if you will, sharing his characteristics with humankind. I love in the Old Testament where, where when, when David is wrestling with God in regards to his life and, and, and man, Saul's going to come after and kill him and there are all these things going wrong and, and, and God speaks to him and God says, listen, it, it, is my arm too short? Do I have a stubby arm? That's basically what God said to David. Do I have a stubby arm? Is my arm not big enough to overshadow you, to protect you? And so in, in this situation, we have this anxiousness within us that's human, but God's saying, listen, do you have, a, you have a, a connection with me. The relationship through Jesus Christ to come and bring all these things before me so that you don't have to live in this state of anxiousness. It's so amazing to me that we forget that when we're in the pool of anxiousness, when we're in the pool of everything. Whereas if we were to take a step back and get into prayer, oh, it doesn't change things. I, I'm not saying that it doesn't, that it's going to take away all the negative things that are going on. But it is in the place of that prayer that God can give us the wisdom to handle those situations. That he can give us that peace that passes our understanding. And it's an opportunity for him to show up in your life as opposed to you trying to do everything. There's a reason that God has engrafted his Holy Spirit within you, and it's so that he can show off the fruit of the Spirit. And one of them is peace. You're a child of love because God put his Spirit within you. You're a child of joy because God put his spirit within you. You're a child of peace because God put his spirit within you. You have to allow those things to grow and mature. And have some fruit that comes out of you. So the next time you get anxious, the next time there's a lot of things going on, would you take a step back and start to pray and say, God, would you give me wisdom? Would you help me to have understanding? Lord, I need, some, I, I, I need some clarity in this situation. Lord, there's a lot of things going on in my life, but Lord, w- would you show up? Would you bring that peace that the Holy Spirit has, has put within me uh, into this situation? And when you do that, things, not the, not the outside influencers will change. Those will still be there. But what will change is, your, is, is what your mind is doing. Because instead of it wrapping itself around all the ways that you can fix things, it starts to open up opportunities for God to fix things and to work things for his good and for his purpose and for his glory. It's important. Prayer is important. Communication with the Lord is that spiritual discipline. I, I, go, I hearken back to, again, you know, it's been a long time since we all had rotary phones, right? But I remember I had, most of my friends were at my grandparents' house. When I would go visit my grandparents, I would call my friends, and then we would get together. 
Um, and so I, I'd go visit my grandparents, and the first thing I would do after, obviously, giving a hug and kiss to grandma and grandpa is I'd go to the phone, the rotary phone on the wall, right, and they'd pick it up. And uh, they actually had seven digits, though, so I'm not that old. But it, so I, I still dialed the seven digits to, to talk to those people. And, you know, you'd, you'd pull it and you go, and you're waiting. And I'm like, and the whole entire time I'm doing this, I'm like, I'm wondering if they're going to answer the phone. You know, this is before, I don't even know if we had answering machines then. But, but I, I'm doing this whole thing. And, and the idea was is I wanted to pick up the phone and talk to them. And, and to say, hey, how are you? Are you around? Can we get together? Can we go hang out? Can we do something? Can we be together? So the whole reason for my call was to build that relationship or get closer to them. God is waiting for us to call. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't mean to be so crude, but, you know, God, the, the line's open. And we, sometimes we don't even pick up the phone. You know, we want to send God a page or a text message. Thanks, God, I really need your help. Okay, I'm going to go do it on my own. Will you get into a communication with the Lord? Uh, it, you know, the Bible talks about going into your own prayer closet. That's where we're headed to next. Um, it talks about going into a place and praying and seeking the Lord on your own. In fact, let's go to that scripture kind of small so let me read it to you and when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in their synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others truly i say to you they have received their reward but when you pray go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you some of us have forgotten about this some of us have stepped away and, you know, we pray when everybody's around. We pray when it's Thanksgiving dinner. We pray when it's Christmas time. We pray when, you know, when somebody says, hey, you know, does anybody want to give grace? Or, you know, when we're, at the, when, when we're at a meal. But we have forgotten about that intimate time of prayer with the Lord, that communication that just drives us into a place of recognizing who he is in our lives and who we are in his lives. You know, we, we forget that he has called us by name, he knows, he, he's, <laughs> I don't know how to say it this morning. He's numbered the hairs on your head. Not only does he know how many hairs are on your head, but he's numbered each one of them. I mean, that's intimate. I mean, I know my daughter, but I don't know how many hairs she has on her head, much less numbered them. I know my wife, but I don't know everything about my wife. Oh, God knows everything about you, the good, the bad, the ugly. And he's still called you, and he still loves you, and he wants you to get in communication with him and have that intimate time of conversation with him. Because he knows that there are things that are going to come out of the woodwork when you go out of that prayer closet, out of that intimate time with him that you need to be girded up for that you need to be prepared for. Oh, look at the Lord's Prayer. Look at when Jesus told his disciples, you know, his disciples were like, well, I mean, we're sitting with the Son of God. We might as well ask him how we should pray to the Lord since he does it all the time. You know, he'd go off for hours and pray and say, okay, guys, just hang out for me and wait right here. Sometimes he'd take one or two of them and say, all right, come on with me. I'm gonna, we're we're going to go pray. 
But one time they're out walking and, 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 and the guys say, hey, Jesus, will you teach us how to do what you do? Will you teach us how to have that communion with the Lord? And so Jesus goes into this real simple uh, dynamic. I mean, if you read the scripture, if you break it down, it's real simple. It's talking about giving God glory and honor up front. It's talking about making sure that we recognize that God is the creator of us and that we know that God is in control of everything. And then it goes into, God, will you give us today what we need? Because that's all we need is what's from you. We don't need what's made out of our own desires, but we need to know what's from your desires and in our lives. And Lord, then would you forgive us as we forgive everybody else that, we've, that has wronged us? And then Jesus closes it up. He says, because, you know, what, what is done in heaven needs to be done here on earth. And your will is going to be done, and we're going to call it and proclaim it to be. And so this is what Jesus shares with his disciples of how to pray. How many of us have forgotten that little area of Scripture that says this is a real simple model for us to follow? It's not complicated. We've made it complicated. I was talking to somebody this morning. We have made Christianity complicated in so many different ways and facets. We have made living a, dis a, a disciplined life complicated in so many ways and facets. We don't have to be participating in 82 different ministries and, and, and have this title and that title and, you know, make sure we're, you know, sh uh, sharing the, the Romans Road with 15 people today or two people tomorrow or mentoring 52 people over the next year. Really, it's about us just following Jesus and being a student of Jesus. Recognizing that what he had to say was not just important, but it was imperative to our disciplined life. So we've got two. We've got Bible reading. We've got prayer. Let's go to fasting. Let's go to fasting. There's a Wesleyan preacher named William Bramwell, and I don't know anything about him, but I saw this and I thought it was applicable for today. He wrote in 1809 that the reason many do not live in the power of salvation is because there is too much sleep too much meat and drink, too little fasting and self-denial, too much taking part in the world, and too little self-examination and prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but I will speak for me. And if I was to take my hours in a week, and I was to say how many of those have I used on myself and my family, it probably would get to be about 90%. Okay? And then if I look at how much I have left for the Lord and have dedicated and, and, if you will, fasted an amount of time for the Lord, it's not 10%. It's, it's probably a tenth of that. That's just me personally. I don't know where you're at. I don't, you know, maybe some of you are taking some time out and really fasting and seeking the Lord in certain areas of your life. But the reality is, is that we are called to fast. Jesus said to his disciples, there are some things that you can't do unless you fast and pray. And so as a Christian, as someone following the Lord and uh, being a, a, a student of Jesus, we have to fast. And you might say, well, Pastor Steve, I can't, I can't fast. I'm, you know, I, I, I have uh, physical needs or, or what have you. I, 
don't look at it from food, although I think that food is probably the number one area that we need to fast in as Americans. We can get food anytime we want it, anywhere we want it, anyhow we want it. When, it, when, the, when the pandemic hit and every place was shut down, it seemed like everybody was just going to waste away to nothing because all of a sudden we couldn't go down the street and get Taco Bell, McDonald's, Burger King, all those different things, or get something delivered. The reality is, is that there is a, there is a built-in benefit in our bodies to fast. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't proclaim to be a doctor or a nutritionist or anything, but I've listened to people and I have seen it with my own eyes. People that choose to fast definitely are healthier than people that do not choose to fast. I don't fast, so I guess I could say that food-wise anyway. And, and my synopsis from the scripture is that if I choose to fast from my own delicacies, whether that's you, you, the, the gambit's wide open, do what you will. I'm not going to share any because all of our lives are delicacies. I mean, we live in the lap of luxury here in America. There is no doubt about it. I was talking to somebody the other day about how no one can, you know, even if you talk to the oldest people that are alive today, they still had um, farming equipment and things that, that, would not, that would allow them to live their lives not on a day-to-day -day basis. Whereas if you went back 200 years or 300 years, your daily life was about living for tomorrow because your food was going to be based on what you did today. And if you did not do what you were supposed to do, then you were not going to be able to reap later on. If you didn't plant at planting time, you were not going to be able to go ahead and reap during harvest time. It just wasn't going to happen. And you were going to have to go beg, borrow, and steal from somebody in order to live for tomorrow. We very rarely run into that in our lives anymore. Some of us have lived by that biblical principle, and, and, and we recognize it as a biblical principle in our lives, and, and so we, we've seen that play out in a different way. But none of us really on a day-to-day -day basis go through that. But if we had to, I wonder how many more of us would be on the realm of understanding how important that fasting is. Because we would no longer be tied to every little thing that would dis distract us from God's purpose and calling in our lives. Fasting says this, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Oh, I don't, I don't want to receive a reward of just being noticed that I'm fasting. Some of the greatest men of God, the most humblest men of God that I've met and that I've known, and maybe you've had this experience as well, um, you know, you, you go out to lunch with them or you go to dinner or some event happens and you're at an event and, and they'll just, they'll pass on their food. I've seen it about maybe four or five times in my life where, where they'll pass on their food. And, and, you know, at the meal, nobody says anything, nobody makes a mention of it, but then I've had the opportunity to say, hey, I noticed you didn't eat, you, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting today. And, and there, was no, there was no like, hey, I got a shout-out from the rooftops. I'm fasting, so I can't eat today. I'm not going to go to lunch. You know, th these are humble people that have said, I just want to live a lifestyle 
that today I'm fasting. I'm recognizing this as a, as a separation of my own desires for whatever God has purposed for me for. And if we all had that opportunity, if we all got on some sort of a fasting dynamic, and again, I don't know for you if it's food, if it's uh, all the other things, <laughs> again, that I'm not going to go into, but what, whatever it is that you think, man, pray, ask the Lord, what am I not thinking about you when I'm doing this? What is causing me to be distracted from you? And consider fasting that. The fourth area of spiritual discipline that I want to talk to you about this morning is to evangelize or to be an evangelist or to share the gospel. The Bible says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is, the reveal, is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Living the righteous life may be the best course that we have of evangelizing this world. I am telling you right now that there is the best opportunity you have of sharing Jesus with somebody is going to be based on the way that you handle situations that come into your life that are negative, that push you to your limits, that push your buttons, that cause you to get angry, that cause you to get mad. How you respond in those situations are going to show how you can evangelize, how you can share the goodness of God with others. It is... It is a human response to get mad. The Bible says to be mad, to be angry, but do not sin. How many of us can say we've done that? So the second opportunity we have is when we get angry and we sin, we got to repent. And that repentance means that it's not just between me and the Lord. Oh, it's between me and the other person. So when somebody's pushed my buttons and I've gotten all angry and frustrated and aggravated and said things I shouldn't have said or just in my heart said things I shouldn't have said, what is my response? It's to go to that other person. It's to practice evangelism. Because the love that God had for me, God loved me while I was yet a sinner. So then... When, when evil darts are thrown at me or when things are done to me and I choose to, to, to react in a way that's inappropriate, how do I share the love of God? Well, first of all, I hopefully don't respond in a way that's inappropriate, but if I do, then I've got to go back and I have to make it right. That's part of practicing spiritual discipline. It's part of being a man or woman of God. That's a hard one this morning for a lot of us because pride will take over. And pride will say, mm, ah, he hurt me first. She said that about me. Are you sure she said it about you? So-and-so said she said it about you. Who knows? But yet you've got this, you, you've got this wall built up inside of you because of, because of what you think you heard or what you thought he said. And your, your opportunity for, if you will, evangelizing the world is being crushed by, that, by, by whatever has come against you. And it's hardened your heart to that. You might still say the words. You might still go 
to, the, to the store and say, Jesus loves you, you might be at the restaurant and leave a track or say, can I pray for you? But you know in your heart you've got something that's, that's, that's hardened. And people see that. Oh, you know, you see it. You can tell when somebody has a hard heart. They might be a believer, but you know that something's gone on in their lives. God wants you to have that stuff melted away so that you can be a living example of who Christ has empowered you to be on planet Earth. You know, we are, <laughs> the, the, the cool thing is the Bible says that we are to judge angels. If I'm going to judge an angel, best believe I need to be starting to live out that righteous lifestyle now. I mean, I'm going to get a new body when I get to heaven, but I need to be recognizing that God is the creator of me, and he, he's empowered me with his spirit, and so that I can live a lifestyle of righteousness so that I can be an evangelist to those who come into contact with me. We are in a season right now to where things are becoming more and more separated the farther and farther we get away from the precepts of God. And those who are going to stand in a righteous lifestyle are going to be recognized, number one, as those people who love God. And that might even become a derogatory term. But it's going to be our best chance of evangelism. Because when we love God, we are on display for the world to see. The last area I want to talk to you about this morning is memorizing scripture. And I want to take you to a scripture verse in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. We don't have it on the screen, but I thought it was important that I share this this morning. Back when I used to teach Sunday school to junior high, there were two kids in my class. Uh, they happened to be twins. They were brothers. And every time I asked a question, their answers always were, the Bible or Jesus, because they figured those would, those would encompass any question I could ask. Those would have to be the right answers. And so one time, they got it right, <laughs> probably multiple times, but one time they got it right, and that was, what was the way that Jesus handled the devil when he was tempted? I want to read this scripture for you. It says, this is Matthew 4. Verse 1 through 11 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus answered this, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Lastly, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these I will give to you. This is the devil saying, I will give them to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I want you to recognize this morning that when Jesus was in his trial of temptation, fighting the enemy, fighting the devil, his tool of choice was Scripture. You might have all kinds of situations coming against you or coming at you, but the reality is, is that the Bible says very clearly that we are to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that is to be our offensive tool. That is to be our offensive weapon. If you want to offend the enemy, if you want to stand against the enemy, if you want to stand against those things that are evil and coming against you, then the Word of God is what we stand on. And I don't know for you how you're going to memorize Scripture. I don't have a... Uh, two, uh, two different ways to do it this morning. you got to ask the Lord. But when that scripture is down deep in your heart, oh, for some of you, you got taught it when you were in Sunday school. Some of you were memorizing that at Grandma's table. Some of you got saved in your 20s and 30s and thirsted on the Word of God and couldn't get enough of it and hid it in your heart. And when those trials come and when those situations happen, that, that word just bubbles out of you. It's in your mind. It comes out of your mouth. Because it's hidden in your heart. It's hidden in you. Again, God created us in his image. He wants that word of his to be within us so that we can be ready to speak it out, so the Holy Spirit can have it ready on our lips to speak out the truth. If only for us to hear it. If the only reason I memorize John 3.16 is for me, then that's enough. Because there are things within that scripture that propel me to go where God has called me to go. There are things within that scripture that propel me to make the right choice. There are things within that scripture that help me to wave off the attacks of the enemy. So this morning, I've got two questions for you. And these are serious. What are you currently not doing? That if you were doing, what are you currently not doing? That if you were doing, would open yourself up to more of, uh, of the Lord's love and grace in your life. Maybe it's one of these areas of discipline. Maybe it's something else. The second question is like it. What are you currently doing that is distracting you that if you eliminated it would help you draw closer to God? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that it speaks truth 
and revelation to us. We thank you that it quickens us to righteous living. Lord, I know that there's a lot of different ways to live a disciplined life. Lord, I pray that you'd minister to each one of us directly. Holy Spirit, that you would do your work. That you would reveal to each one of us areas that we need to get into. That we need to focus on. Lord, it might be Bible reading. It might be prayer. It might be memorization of Scripture. It might be fasting. It might be evangelism. Lord, whatever it is, would you allow us to draw close to you through the introduction of some of those disciplines in our lives? And Lord, would you reveal to us the distractions in our lives that are causing us not to be disciplined, that are causing us to, to lose ground, that are causing us to shrink back and to not live the life that you've called us to live? Lord, Jesus said that we are to live life more abundantly. So Lord, we look forward to that, to that abundant life. Through your leading, through your direction, and through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.